KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, March 23rd. San Diego's Golden Hall Homeless Shelter is set to close. But what will happen to its residents? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego City Council yesterday approved a settlement with a real estate broker over the 101 Ash Street deal. Under the deal, Jason Hughes will repay the city the $9.4 million he was given to help negotiate lease-to-own agreements for that building and Civic Center Plaza. The city attorney's office says Hughes had represented himself as a volunteer. The settlement was approved 7-2. Council member Vivian Moreno voted against it. Simply having to give up what was made in an illegal scheme to defraud the public is not a sufficient penalty. Hughes also agreed to plead guilty to a misdemeanor conflict of interest charge. We're getting a break from the rain over the next couple of days. The National Weather Service says we may get some rain this morning, but then we can expect cool, dry, and breezy conditions through the weekend. The rain will return when yet another storm moves in next week. SDG&E customers get a chance to weigh in today on the utility's $3.6 billion rate hike request. SDG&E customers blasted the utility at two virtual hearings set up by California regulators earlier this year. They question why the company should be allowed to raise rates after customers struggled to pay their bills this past winter as natural gas bills soared. The in-person hearings are at 2 and 6 p.m. today at the Sherman Heights Community Center. Regulators want public input on the utility's request to increase the amount of revenue SDG&E can collect from 2024 to 2027. The utility is asking to charge customers an additional $450 million in the first year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego's Golden Hall has been a shelter for hundreds of homeless people since 2019. But that's about to change. Reporter Jacob Ayer says it's set to close, but a majority of its residents don't know where they'll go next. The city-owned shelter has been operating under a temporary permit for roughly four years and is run by Father Joe's Villages. Now it's set to close and new locations will have to be found to house hundreds of people experiencing homelessness. That's putting some of the roughly 500 residents, like Kevin Graves, on edge. 
He's been there for six months. To travesty. You have numerous homeless people here in San Diego, yet and still they justify closing a place that has reached out to a lot of people and helped a lot of people. A City of San Diego spokesperson told KPBS there's no hard move-out date and the families at Golden Hall will move into a new shelter in Barrio Logan later this spring. But the city is still looking for shelter options for the adult men and transition-aged youth. Everyone will continue to be sheltered at Golden Hall until other options are found to make sure no one will be sent onto the streets. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Homeless advocates and medical professionals gathered outside of Scritz Mercy Hospital yesterday to denounce what they say is ongoing patient dumping for people who are unsheltered. They say hospitals across the city of San Diego continue to prematurely discharge homeless and poor patients despite a 2018 law known as SB 1152, which was meant to address the issue. Housing for the Homeless member, Vanessa Davis, says it's contributing to deaths on the streets. The practice of hospitals inappropriately releasing homeless or indigent patients to the streets without proper screening or stabilizing treatment, often inadequately clothed without safe transport or a realistic plan for self-care. Unfortunately, this is still happening today. In a statement, Scripps Health says they comply with all provisions of SB 1152 and that they ensure all patients are safe to leave the hospital before being discharged. Housing for the homeless leaders are requesting state lawmakers hold hearings and review the law's effectiveness. In other health-related news, a new analysis shows there are 60,000 nursing vacancies across the state making it one of the most in-demand jobs. Health reporter Matt Hoffman says local hospitals are feeling the pinch. The American Hospital Association says an older healthcare workforce, a surge in retirements, and pandemic burnout is driving a nationwide caregiver shortage. Doug Levine is UC San Diego Health's Director of Talent Acquisition. He says they currently have just over 200 open nursing positions. That's about a 7% vacancy rate. He says there's also a need for occupational therapists, surgical techs, and other support staff, including food service workers and custodians. Last year, in the calendar year 2022, we increased the size of our nurses and and medical staff by 6%. That's huge. But my patient population grew up by more. When it comes to recruitment, Levine says there's options including sign-on bonuses and covering relocation costs. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Death is not an easy thing to face, but a crematorium in Escondido is helping families through the process until the very end. North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us about the space designed for families to witness the cremation process. During the height of the pandemic, Tatiana Maka was an ICU nurse. And I, no- I noticed there was a lot of deaths during COVID and a lot of families couldn't deal with it and didn't have that closure. So I wanted to provide a space for them to have that time, have that moment with their loved one. Maka left the medical field and began dedicating her life to something completely different. The reason we started as a crematory and funeral home is because we wanted to provide a service that is not there, um, more specifically witness cremations. She says it took about a year and a half to get silver lining cremations up and running. There's a lot of licenses that are involved 
um, that we had to take from the state, from the city, and from the county. Maka says witness cremations aren't a new thing. The other funeral homes or other crematories in the area have that option, but their setup is very industrial, and the family gets five minutes, and they're around, you know, um, they don't have a, a quiet space. They don't have a, a place to say goodbye. It's, it's a very quick, here we go, um, the body is getting cremated, and that's it. But the space at Silver Lining Crematorium was designed with witness cremations in mind. Space in front of the retort or cremation chamber allows for families to be a part of the cremation process in their own ways. We've had Buddhist monks, we've had uh, Hindu priests, we've had Catholic priests in here doing rosaries. Um, I've had Jewish families come and do cremations. Uh, any, any religion that you can think of, we've had it. And anywhere from 10 people to 60. For different cultures, being a part of the cremation process and witnessing it is a tradition. One that Maka says would go unfulfilled without spaces like the one they offer. A lot of the families that we've had are immigrants. So because they can't take them home, it's important for them to give them a, a, the right way, right? The right goodbye. But Maka says that many people still view cremations as scary. And the thought of witnessing the process is something they don't consider right away. And I'll tell you, there's no flames coming out. Nobody's getting engulfed in flames. There's nothing, there's no smoke. There's nothing that's terrifying about the process. It's actually very calm. We play music. Um, we have them be in the room. They, they see us load, load the decedent into the retort. It's, it's nice to be part of it, the same way as when they go to a cemetery. They're part of the burial. She says more people are choosing cremations over burials due to the cost and environmental consciousness. Embalming is formaldehyde and all many other chemicals that end up at the end of the day in the ground. With burials, the body goes into the ground and it stays there, right, in a, in a casket until the time comes and, and it all gets disintegrated. With cremations, the embalming is not required by the state of California. So it, it's a greener, faster, more affordable um, solution for the family. Maka says her experience with death in hospitals is what really motivated her to open a different kind of space. Back in the days, people used to die at home and families cared for them, and the family doesn't have that opportunity anymore. So with witnessing, um, it gives them that chance. I've had families that came in and brushed the hair of their loved one, or applied lipstick for the last time. Maka says it's those small details that help many families move on, and she's proud to offer that. Death will happen, right? It's part of, it's part of life. Um, but if we can find that sliver of, of peace and calm and if we can offer that space to the families and help them have closure, then I think that's worth, I mean, that's worth everything that we do. Uh, it's, it's why we're here. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, WonderCon is this weekend. We have the details, that and more, just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. It's been almost a week since residents of a mobile home park in Vista were forced to evacuate due to a sinkhole. Reporter Claire Strong went to see how they're doing. I like my house a lot. It was my sanctuary. I'm really sad not to be able to go in my house with my things. Denise Doogie had to leave all her worldly possessions behind, bar a few essentials, when disaster struck at Green Valley Mobile Home Park last Thursday morning. Flooding caused a sinkhole behind her home, resulting in 17 residents being evacuated. Since then, Doogie has been unable to return. Another resident, Rich Cruz, was forced to spend a few nights in a hotel, but was able to move back over the weekend. He's now worried about the financial impact this could have. My finances aren't great, and the possibility of me being able to sell my home anytime soon are dim at the moment. You know, I love this place, but until this is resolved and everybody's squared away, I'm kind of stuck. The city of Oceanside says repairs will begin as soon as the weather allows. Claire Strong, KPBS News. WonderCon, Comic-Con's sister convention, takes place tomorrow through Sunday at the Anaheim Convention Center. It offers everything that Comic-Con does, but on a smaller, less crowded scale, with badges even available at the door. Here's arts reporter Beth Accomando speaking with attorneys Josh Gilliland and Stephen Chu of The Legal Geeks, who are on panels at WonderCon this weekend. Josh, you will be having a couple of panels at WonderCon this weekend. But before we talk about the panels, explain what Legal Geeks is all about. So we started The Legal Geeks in July of 2012, and our mission is to use pop culture to help people understand the law. Now, there's a double purpose for this because we're all we're all geeks. We we're watching TV shows. As lawyers, we are trained to issue spot. It's hard to turn it off. So it's you watch a TV show and you're thinking about like, huh, is that child endangerment? Like, would that marriage be valid? So like those are the type of things that that lawyers think about while watching TV shows, or at least I do. And Stephen, what attracted you to getting involved with this? It is everything that Josh described. You're going back to sort of the fun you had as a child. I have so much fun doing this with other people who love it. It evokes memories of, you know, reading comic books on my carpeted floor, you know, in third grade or whatever, as I'm playing with my Transformers and G.I. Joe toys and contemplating like, well, why did they do this in Star Wars? And what about that Star Trek episode? And so it's, uh, it's just so much fun. And I think the part of the mission, as I discussed with Josh, is to try to make the law fun and accessible. And I think that's better for the legal profession and for society as a whole when we can do that. I think this is all a really good thing. It's a fun way to to educate folks. Josh, I think one of the first panels I saw you do was with X-Men involving civil rights. And this Sunday, you are tackling civil rights in the time of Star Wars. So explain what kind of law concepts are going to be coming up during this. 
intense ones. So we're using Andor and Kenobi. So we're talking the, the heart of the Imperial era. So in Kenobi, we see Force-sensitive people being hunted by Inquisitors. We see, you know, someone get their hand cut off just because they're in the wrong place uh, saying something to an Inquisitor. Oh, that's bad because it's race and genetic based laws to persecute others. Jump to Andor. There is a horrific trial for Andor that's like a Soviet era, you know, stamp process of you're charged, you're guilty, there's no defense counsel, and you're sentenced to life of hard labor, including ex post facto laws that convert sentences to life sentences. All of those things are incompatible with a republic. So like they don't fit our legal system. So it's a way to talk about how those violate our sense of freedom, our constitution, and being able to go, this is why this is bad. This is why this is scary. Here are some historical comparisons that we can make as well. And Star Wars does a very good job at those issues. And Stephen, you are going to be part of a panel that takes you away from your love of Star Wars to something much newer, which is Netflix Wednesday and looking to some of the legal issues within a school context. So explain what's going to be coming up at this panel. Beth, we're really excited about covering this hit show, you know, Netflix's Wednesday. We're fans, big fans of the show, and some of us are fans of the original Adams Family, going all the way back, not just to the black and white show, but even to the New Yorker cartoon strip. And we found so many legal issues throughout the series, things about uh, how a school runs itself, this conspiracy between the school and the mayor, the cover-ups. The school itself is fairly remarkable because everyone at every school, of course, is special. But at this school, they also, that special means that they have abilities that border on superpowers. And then Wednesday herself is described by other students, you know, who were saying, we're not supposed to make waves. And yet she is a tsunami. So we have so many fascinating issues here, all the way from just how to run a school and the mysteries and the crimes or alleged crimes up to, you know, grave robbing. And we just want to have a lot of fun with this, um, Beth. And we, we think that this will be a fun panel. So we're looking forward to this. All right. I want to thank you both very much for talking about the legal geeks. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you, Beth. That was Beth Accomando speaking with legal geeks Josh Gilliland and Stephen Chu. WonderCon runs tomorrow through Sunday at the Anaheim Convention Center. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Come back tomorrow for an interview with our very own producer, Emmalyn Mohebi. She'll join me on this side of the podcast to talk about Persian New Year traditions. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more.
mcasd.org.